0: Hello, everyone. This is Anthony Stockwell from Hadlow College, and a very warm welcome to our latest podcast. This podcast is related to the practical assessment for the Level 2 Certificate in Golf Greenkeeping. The practical assessment is worth 50% of the final grade. Um, that includes the golf course walk, grass identification, course preparation activity, and um, a variation or a possibility of three other practical tasks. We've got separate podcasts for the golf course walk, the grass identification and course preparation. Um, This podcast here is going to relate to the the other main practicals that you'll need to do. We'll also go through the timescales of the practical and just give you hints and tips and just strategies for doing really well and maximising the grade that you could possibly get. Okay, so first of all, we're going to go through the time timescales for the Endpoint Practical. Just going to give a little bit of background to the activity as well. So throughout your whole course, you, you've been working on your GTC training manual, you've been getting off the job training, you've been learning all those practical skills at work. You've also completed your trainee statement and your manager has written their supporting statement as well. Then you hit what's called the gateway. The gateway is that decision-making point of you want to be entered uh, for the endpoint point assessment. The college would then book you in with the awarding organisation, the sitting guilds, for the endpoint assessment. The knowledge test would be booked first of all, and this is usually taken about a month after you hit the gateway or you reach the gateway. You then won't get the results for the knowledge test until after you've taken the practical assessment. But the practical assessment... Is usually taken about two months after you take the knowledge test. So, in total, from gateway to the endpoint practical, roughly looking at three months. So, we're getting a little bit closer now to your endpoint assessment practical date. Um, 24 to 48 hours before the practical, the examiner will phone up your golf course manager. That's really important that they answer the phone. And have a good conversation with the examiner. The examiner will want to confirm the start time. Uh, they'll want to confirm what type of equipment you have available. Is it? Is there any work that's been planned out on the golf course that may be a little bit different or out of the ordinary? Um, they'll bear this in mind with the weather conditions and the time of year as well. It's really, really important, though, that you let your golf course manager know. To expect a call a couple of days before the the endpoint assessment now we're getting a little bit closer to the practical day um, so the day before, just want to make sure you have everything ready. I'd have nice clean uniform ready to go that's smart and professional. You want to portray a really good image to the endpoint assessor. You want to have your GTC portfolio completed. Uh, you need to have that in at work and easily accessible for the examiner, I wouldn't just leave it in your car, bring it in, uh, leave it on a desk, or leave it somewhere at work that you can quickly um, have it accessible for the examiner. You also want to have all your stint meter equipment, again, um, somewhere in a place that's easily accessible. The day before, I would also recommend um, that you have a tractor ready, that's already hitched up with an attachment that you're familiar with using. That attachment could be a blower, maybe a verti drain, um, could be a trailer. Um, as long as you have something hitched up to a tractor, you'll save yourself a little bit of time. Um, and also, you don't actually have to do that as part of the practical, which I'll go through in a little bit more detail later on. Okay, so it's your endpoint assessment day. You want to get into work nice and early. Um, typically, an endpoint examiner would start any time that you normally start so they could be starting at six o'clock in the morning with you obviously this could depend on the time of year but i wouldn't be surprised if it, well, they could start any time between 6 a.m and 9 a.m The endpoint assessor is likely to have travelled a long way to get to see you. The very first few things that the examiner will do is just go through the formalities of the assessment. They'll check your driving licence or identification. You can use your passport, but you really need to have that with you. If you don't have your driving licence or identification with you, um, you can't go ahead with the day. I have known examiners to send students home um, that have lived locally to the golf course pick up their identification, then bring it back, um, which is really important, and you have to have that before you go ahead with the day. Um, you'll start off first assessment golf course walk. This may move on naturally to the grasp, identification and course preparation. Um, then you'll go on to the other practicals. The other practicals are what we're going to focus on in this podcast. Um, an in-point assessment can finish any time um, from eleven to around about two or three o'clock in the afternoon. Each endpoint assessment varies in terms of length, but I wouldn't be uh, worried or anything if your your assessment finishes a lot earlier than someone else's. Um, everyone's slightly different. Some examiners tend to be quite quick, and they can combine tasks as well. So there's no need to worry if your assessment is a lot longer or considerably shorter than someone else's. Although I would say is that as part of your day and as part of the agreement with your golf course manager is that whole day needs to be dedicated to your Endpoint Assessment Practical. There are opportunities to have lunch, to have breaks throughout the day. Most students actually find that the day goes really, really quickly. But please take your time throughout the day. Okay, so the next part of this podcast, I'm going to go through... A general idea, general principles of how you'd complete the tasks. A lot of what I'm going to be referring to will refer to um, a conference chart that we've been given to you. I'm going to call that um, just just to make it simple for you to follow this: the conference chart. So I'll be talking about that a lot through for the next um for, throughout the remainder of this podcast. Now a lot of the tasks that you can be given do vary a lot in nature. I mean, hole changing can be very different from bunker maintenance, can be very different from operating a tractor. However, a lot of the principles and a lot of the things the examiner is actually looking for are actually quite similar for each task. And I'm going to go through these in a sort of step-by-step logical order. And this is the order that you need to complete uh, your tasks when you're doing them. Now, step one, the very first thing that you need to do before you complete the task is to complete a verbal risk assessment. Please note I said a verbal risk assessment. You don't need to complete it written down, but as part of the verbal risk assessment you need to follow the five steps of a risk assessment. There is a full podcast related to how you complete these risk assessments, but if you want to gain the highest marks possible, You need to identify as many hazards as possible and you need to have a full understanding of the five steps those five steps are as following so step one identify the hazards step two decide who can be harmed and how step three evaluate the risks and decide upon precautions that's the likelihood and severity of the risk Step four is recording your findings and implement them. Step five is review the risk assessment and update if necessary. It's really important that your practical gets off to a really good start. And you can do that by doing a really good comprehensive risk assessment. Now the next step um, for the practical is to get your PPE on, to get your PPE ready. Um, It's advisory to wear ear defenders for anything that produces 80 decibels or more. Uh, It's mandatory if it's 85 decibels or more. If you're in any doubt, just put them on. Make sure that you're wearing them. For other PPE, it depends on the tasks. As most of you always would do, you need to be wearing your steel toe cap boots. If you are going to be doing anything like strimming, obviously have your face shields, harnesses, and any other PPE that you feel is relevant to the job. I'd recommend wearing gloves when filling up uh, fuel for diesel or you're checking oil. Those Usually they're blue nitrile gloves. They're really good. You can dispose of them quickly. Which also brings us on to the next thing that you'd need to do. Uh, and that is completing very detailed pre-start checks. What you want to do and this is sort of the general point I'm getting across to you in terms of this podcast, is for the practicals, you need to be doing everything by the book. You need to be doing everything comprehensively uh, and doing it to the best of your ability. As I mentioned, the next step here is completing very detailed pre-start checks of any tools, equipment uh, that you have. You'd need to do pre-start checks for any equipment that is going to be used. So even if it's something simple like a a rake that's been used, you check the integrity, make sure that that rake has enough teeth in it, make sure there's no splinters. But also what I'd do if I were you is make it clear and obvious to the examiner that you're doing those pre-start checks. For ride-on equipment, on larger equipment such as rollers, maybe mowers, verticutters, tractors really need to be doing taking a time on those pre-start checks. Checking everything from the tires, oil, coolant, checking the fuel level is obviously very important. Um making sure having a look underneath the tractor, uh, making sure there's no leaks, also checking the battery, making sure that none of the terminals are corroded, um just checking everything on the attachment perhaps. Um anything uh, all the pins are in place if the vehicle or tractor has any lights on it making sure that they are working correctly making sure that the visibility from the operator's seat is clear making sure that the uh, cab has no um well, it isn't dirty and that you can see properly forwards and backwards now a lot of workplaces have pre-start check sheets i'd recommend that You do have those because they're a really good checklist that you can use. Um, And you can use them as as you would normally on a normal day to complete your pre-start checks. So you can use them. If you don't have them, don't worry. You just need to remember to do all the pre-start checks that you'd normally do as part of your daily checks. Now, I appreciate that you're all commercially run golf clubs. You all are very busy on a normal day. However, for your endpoint assessment, there is no time limit. Take your time on those pre start checks. Make sure you're doing them really well. You'll gain higher marks at your endpoint assessment if you do them comprehensively. Please, please, please don't take all day to do them, but do spend that extra couple of minutes compared to what you would normally do. A couple of little pieces of advice as already mentioned, uh, if you're checking, the the uh, oil levels or the fuel make sure you're wearing those blue nitrile gloves make sure you're disposing correctly of any um uh any of the dipstick oil that has been put on a a cloth or on some tissue paper make sure you're putting that correctly in a bin once you've done all your pre-start checks you're now then ready to go on to the next step now the next step is taking all the equipment. Um, to the site to be used uh, i'd recommend at this stage for most jobs you'd also want to take with you a blower or a switch um, because of any debris you don't want to be having to go out to the site realize you've forgotten something and then have to come all the way back it's really important to make sure that you take all of your equipment to the site before working okay so you've now arrived at the site. Um, it's really, really important to check the area, to do the, an environmental um, walk around the site. When you're walking around the site, take your time. Okay, You don't want to be rushing anything. And this is, this is before you're actually doing the main task. Um, as you're walking the site, just do what you'd normally do. So that would be checking the site for debris... Um, maybe doing the odd pitch mark here or there if you see one. Um, as I said, remove any debris, remove the flag stick, remove any T-markers, remove any golf course furniture. Um, you may need to move a bench, you may need to move move any signage as well because you don't want to be mowing or verticutting, rolling or, or doing any sort of job. Then have to stop, turn the mower off, remove the sign or remove um, the flag stick or anything do all of that beforehand make sure that the site is completely free so it is safe to work on now this obviously would apply to a golf green to a golf tee but it also needs to apply to other surfaces that you may not check so regularly such as a fairway if if you're asked to mow a fairway or to scarify a fairway, or to do something to an area of rough, exactly the same principle applies. You need to walk that site before you conduct the activity. Okay, so you've now deemed that that area is safe to, to work on. We actually then get on to our next step. That next step is actually performing the task that you've been asked to do. Finally, you've got there. Okay, now a few hints and tips to look out for here. First and foremost, you must, must, must wear your seatbelt if it has a rollover bar, rollover protection structure. Um, by law, you must wear a seatbelt. You will fail the assessment if you do not wear a seatbelt. Now, exactly the same principle would apply to a driving test. So I totally dismiss anyone who feels sympathetic if you don't wear a seatbelt. By law, you must wear a seatbelt. It's there to protect you, it's there to protect um, you working, as it would be if you were to drive a car. What you want to do is you want to get in the habit of wearing a seatbelt. You don't want to sort of have this as something you need to remember on the day. What I'd recommend is every day at work get in the habit of wearing a seatbelt. It will then become a habit and you won't even have to think about it. It will become natural thing that you do every day is putting that seatbelt on exactly how it would be if you were getting getting into a car okay so the next sort of little bit of advice i'm going to give is just general principles that hopefully you do every day at work anyway um if you're on a mower if you're on a tractor if you're on a roller take wide turns be very careful when you turn large loop um so you're not turning on a sixpence so you're not twisting the turf uh, take your time um, what I'd recommend is making sure that your lines are as straight as you can possibly get them um, don't rush your lines don't I'd line them up before each one perhaps get a good vision get your eye in uh, and you should be absolutely fine on on lines. Uh, Try and show that extra attention to detail. Really make it clear to the examiner that you are performing the job, showing that conscientious attitude and and showing that attention to detail. If hole changing, make sure it's nice and straight. Make sure you're uh, checking that site, making sure it's not near any slopes, it's not too close to the edge of the green. If you're moving T-markers, really double-check. Make sure that they are perfectly straight, what the examiner is looking for is that attention to detail. You may hear me repeating this, but it's so, so important if you want to get the highest marks possible. Right, so you've completed your task. The next thing is um, you need to check the surface once again. Uh, as you're doing this, the most important thing you're looking for is debris, any gl- grass clippings. So with a switch or blower, make sure they are completely dispersed. Um, also put the surface back into play so a, a golfer would expect to see it. It's very simple stuff like putting the flag back in, uh, making sure that the flag's clean. Uh, I always wipe the flag when I put it back in to make sure there's no, um, no grass on the actual flag stick. Making sure your T-markers are, are placed back into the ground, uh, any signage is back. Um, exactly how a golfer would expect to play and see the surface. So you've done all that, the next step is to take your machinery back to your your facilities, your maintenance yard. Um, Then what you need to do is to complete your post-operative checks. Now these are just as important as the pre-start checks. Um, You need to make sure that any tools and equipment, any machinery is washed down, it's cleaned, it's refuelled. Any problems or defects are reported to your mechanic um, in a way that they're, they're going to solve that problem. just going to give a couple of examples of other things that you may do. So for, if you're mowing, empty your boxes in the designated area, um, wash it off as best you can, refuel it, uh, maybe WD-40 down the machine. If you have a blower or a hole changer, I'd recommend using one of those air hoses to make sure there's no excess grass on the machine or the hole changer. Maybe use a cloth just to wipe it down as well. Make sure your blower is refueled and ready to go for the next operative. If you've got a dew brush, um, what I'd recommend is washing that off with water, then using an air hose to make sure any grass, any debris, is not on that brush after you've washed and cleaned refueled the mower or machine whatever it is make sure you are not leaving on the back of a vehicle you're putting it back in its designated area where it needs to be stored correctly for the next operator to use it and with all that being done that would be the end of that task um then be an opportunity, perhaps have a short break, um, and then go on to an, your next task. Just going to go through a few general points. Uh, some of these may be very obvious, but I need to say them nonetheless. First of all, do not smoke during an endpoint assessment task. As mentioned, there are break periods, there are rest periods throughout the day. Then you can smoke. You shouldn't be smoking near any fuel. Uh, Or out in the golf course anyway. So do not smoke during the end point assessment. Uh, Obviously don't eat. Again you can eat on your lunch break. You shouldn't be uh, using a machine and eating. Don't use your mobile phone. Um, Okay there may be a certain circumstance where you need to use your mobile phone. Maybe for maths or you may need to use a calculator. You may needed to contact someone uh, that's very very unlikely my suggestion is turn your phone off or turn it on to do not disturb to make sure that there are no distractions you cannot be using your mobile phone while you're performing the tasks Um, don't take any unnecessary risks while you're using the machine take your time Um, if golf comes and wants to play through Do what you'd normally do. Stand to the side, wait for them to go through and then continue with your work. I'd also recommend not listening to any music. Well, no, I'm not recommending. I'm telling you not to use any um, music. Don't listen to music while you're doing your endpoint assessment um, or any headphones or any um, things that you may listen to like podcasts during your work. Save that for another time, you've got more than enough time to to listen, to chill out to music or something on another day. You want to be listening to the sounds of any machinery you're using, you want to be listening for how the blades are spinning around. So it's really important for your endpoint assessment practical that you are not listening to music. Now, just emphasise a a few other points. Uh, You may complete the, the main task to a brilliant standard you may do a fantastic job on that. However, if you're not doing the pre-start checks, if you're not checking the site um, sufficiently before you're going to use it, if you're not doing your risk assessment particularly well, um, you're likely to to drop a considerable number of marks or even fail. So what you want to do is be consistent uh, throughout the whole process. Whilst you're doing the practicals, typical question would be well what will the examiner be doing well the examiner will obviously be watching you maybe watching you from a distance they'll also ask you at some point maybe before during or after the practical they'll be asking you questions related to that task there's usually about three questions or maybe four questions that they're they're set questions that need to be asked um These questions are very similar to the questions in the GTC manual, the GTC portfolio. It's really important that you listen carefully to what the examiner is asking you. Take your time on these questions and just give as much detail as possible. How the marking works is that what what you essentially want to do is you want to give as many points as possible, almost list your answer in terms of like, speaking as if you were writing in bullet points so point one point two point three and just give as many valid and authentic reasons as you can as possible to answer that question the'll often be question uh, well one question relating to health and safety there's often a question related to the timing and frequency of the job so as part of that have a think about different circumstances of when and um, why you do do the job think about why you do it early in the morning or why you do that job more at one time of year than another time of year think about your renovation processes as well why would you do that job immediately after or immediately before your renovation periods when you're answering the questions speak calmly take your time and Good eye contact, good communication skills with the endpoint assessor is vital. I wouldn't speak too quickly, otherwise, they're not going to note down exactly what you say. So do take your time on those tasks and speak nice and clearly. Okay, we're going to move on slightly. We're going to move on to talk about individual jobs that come up that could come up on terms of the practical. Um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to refer A lot during the next part of this podcast to the confidence chart which has been given to you it's really important um can't emphasize it enough how important it is to have a look at that confidence chart to make sure you're familiar with all the jobs on it and that you're fully trained on everything that is required of you okay so the first job in box c is prepare a tractor with attachments for operation now the main hint I would give you here is to have something already attached to the tractor because as part of the assessment you do not need to need to attach something on the back. So you don't need to do a three point linkage, you don't need to have the hassle of having to put something on the back. So have something you are familiar with using already, ready and working on the back of that tractor or even the front of that tractor. You want to be doing a risk assessment before you do it? Obviously, you're doing your pre start checks on the tractor. Um, the examiner may ask you to do a bit of reversing as well. Um, so, you just want to be confident using that tractor. I'd recommend uh, perhaps a smaller tractor. Um, often, large, huge tractors can seem a little bit daunting to apprentices. So, perhaps use it well, just use a tractor that you're familiar with and that you've used at work on a number of occasions. If you haven't had much experience using a tractor, it's really, really important. And this point will be repeated throughout the, the confidence chart and making sure that you're just familiar with, with the job and making sure it. Well, if you haven't had the experience at this stage, um, it's really important that you ask your golf course manager, you talk to him and say that as part of your end point assessment, you need to be competent and confident using that tractor. So um make sure you have that discussion with your manager. The next task that could be available is dealing with threats to turf health. These threats could include moss, uh, weeds, pests, diseases, disorders. Um couple of things that are often done here. Um for example, molehills, if you've got molehills on your golf course, it'd be a case of removing the molehill. Um, removing that soil and then repairing the area of turf. Um, it could be a pathway or an area of compacted turf or an area of bare soil. Um, it could be a pest such as worm casts and simply um, removing those worm casts through using a switch. Um, if there's a disease or damage to a golf green, it could be a case of um, patching and plugging. Now patching and plugging is a simple job, uh, perhaps using a turf doctor or a hole changer, and you're just replacing the sort of the the um the turf that is not looking well, the turf that is damaged or has taken a divot out of that turf, replacing that turf from the middle of the green or wherever the damage is to the side of the green, perhaps a, a part of the green that isn't used so much. If you do get the re- the dealing with threats to turf health activity. I'd encourage you to use your creative thinking. Think about how you could solve that problem. I'd encourage you to keep things simple. Don't overcomplicate the issue. Also have a think about the the follow-on or the, the sort of next steps of what you need to do. I mean, if you're replacing any turf or... Um, if If you are repairing a bare area or some soil that needs repairing, think about applying seed, applying a little bit of irrigation moisture, perhaps roping off the area as ground under repair. so have a think about those sort of things to make sure that you are immediately dealing with a problem, but recovery sort of the the longer term recovery is thought of as well. The next job that you could be given is preparing ground for establishing turf and plants. This is a job that is is less likely to come up. Um, You'd only have this job, you'd only be given this task if the golf course is already working on this sort of project. Um, I think the, the most likely thing here that's going to come up is preparing ground for turfing. If there's any turfing work going on in your golf course, it may be a case that this is chosen and selective. Uh, again if you if you are given this task you need to do that risk assessment take all the sites maybe a turfing iron um, and just making sure that that soil is prepared nice and smoothly with a rake making sure the seed bed is firm level before the turfing work actually occurs okay the next task that could be given is a little bit of a different one Um, this task is plant identification and as part of the golf course walk plant identification also occurs as part of part of the golf course walk you need to identify about seven different plants um to to get a pass as part of the practicals you need to identify up to 30 uh, well 30 if you don't identify 30 uh, you will actually fail this task it's really important that you have um profiles or plants in your portfolio as well Um, we're going to give you portfolios to well profiles to put in your portfolio of plants that you know and recognize so this is really key uh, and just a case of learning them as best as possible Um, i'd recommend learning all the plants trees shrubs weeds that you have on your chosen hole making sure that you learn the latin names to get the higher marks as well The genus and species, and just it's more likely that you'll undertake this assessment from May to October. I think it'd be a bit harsh if the examiner was to give you this during the winter months, as there'd be no seed, uh, no leaves, and on the trees or anything. So it's more likely you're going to have this task during the summer months. Again, the only way you can prepare for this task is just to learn all the plants. Memorise them off by heart, make sure you know them all and you can go into this task being pretty confident if you've done that reading and revision beforehand. So just to recap, that's 30 plants that you must know to get a pass. To get a merit and distinction you need to get all the scientific botanical names as well. Okay, if I go back to the confidence chart, we then go into the the group D, and one task is selected from the following jobs. Uh, the first one is scarifying, grooming, or verti cutting. You only do one of those. Most common one out of them is verti cutting. Um, typically done on a, a ride on mower, a ride on uh, machine can be done with pedestrian equipment. Um, Again, this task, uh, I need to do everything we spoke about earlier, your risk assessment, your pre-start checks, making sure the surface is checked before you do it. Uh, wearing your seatbelt. Um, after you've completed the task, making sure all everything is neat, tidy, blown, flag put back in, all the debris is cleared. Then go back, clean the machine off, uh, not forgetting your PPE, which I did mention at the start, I think. Um, and answering the question. So that's how this task works. Key thing here is just be very careful on your turning of the machine. Make sure your overlap, uh, you're not doing too much overlap or you're keeping overlap to a minimum when you're doing it. Okay, the next task that can be completed is applying top dressing. Now, top dressing, usually done by sand uh, or a silty type of material, this task does not necessarily have to be applied through a um, through a mechanical for a driven top dresser. It can be completed through a mechanical driven top dresser if you'd like to. Um, just a case of filling up that tra- the, the hopper, uh, whether it be a Dakota or a top dresser um, with the sand. Um, then going out and applying it, you need to be just aware of the, the rates on that machine. Um, you can actually do this task through a pedestrian um, spreader. So typically you could do this with a Scotch spreader, apply your top dressing that way, or you could do it the old-fashioned way, apply that top dressing with a shovel. Um, I've done this many a time. Um, how this is likely to work in practice is that an examiner is, is likely to walk an area with you on your chosen hole, Identify an area that may need top dressing and this could be as simple as a walkway or um, the area from a T to the, the fairway. An area that is compact, an area that is suffering from wear and tear, particularly in uh, winter perhaps. This that then just a case of uh, putting some sand onto the back of a utility vehicle, getting the uh, vehicle to the site using the spade to to sort of flick the top dressing material over that site than using a brush or a lute to work it into the soil surface. You need to have a little chat with your examiner about this, how you're going to do it. The examiner will be keen to get your ideas on how you're going to do it before you do it, and then you go and perform and do the job. I wouldn't worry about this one. Uh, it can be kept quite simple if needs be the next job that could be done is um applying a fertilizer or a turf conditioner again i'll keep this job simple um it's less likely to come up than some of the other jobs um but you need to be prepared for it nonetheless um just a case of reading the fertilizer bag put putting the material into um usually a pedestrian distributor a scotch spreader is usually the the pedestrian uh, distributor of choice go to your area work out how far apart you'd need to to do it and then just a case of walking the site checking for debris um, and applying your your fertilizer this may be a task that you need to ask your manager for extra training on uh, to make sure you're familiar and comfortable with using it typically if you, if you can do this on a tiering area or an area that is out of play that'd be great The next task that um, could come up in this category is irrigation of turf. You can use here a manual or automatic means. So that means you can use the pop-ups, you could use those if you'd like to, or you could use a hand-watering system with a hose um, to apply your your irrigation. If you're going to use an automatic system... um, just go about this how you normally would apply the water for a reasonable period of time depending on the weather, depending on the circumstances. If you're going to use your hand watering um, hoses on a green or a tea, that you can still do that. But um, my suggestion would be be very precise on where you put the water. For example, are you going to be watering the wet areas or are you going to be watering the dry areas? typically slopes um, south facing areas um, will require more irrigation than some of the, the sort of the valleys within the green so have a think about exactly where you're going to be applying that water the next task that could come up in this category is maintaining drainage systems and you need to carry out a basic maintenance of the the golf course drainage system. This could be um, things such as inspecting outfalls, inspecting silt traps, um, inspecting open ditches. Um, For the the drainage systems, it could be a case of cleaning or removing turf, removing grass from around uh, drain heads, making sure that they are clear. It could be a case that you need to use, use spades forks, and the drainage rods to make sure that um the system is clear and usable. It could be a case of if you have open ditches that you're using strimmers using equipment to make sure that open drainage is flowing and uh is being the vegetation is being kept low and being kept down if you're going to be using rods to um in To go up pipes if you 're going to be using those rods, what you want to be doing is looking for any blockages, trying to clear those blockages from the the drainage system. Now, the drainage task you 're most likely only going to get this one in winter or if there's been heavy rainfall on the golf course pr- just before your endpoint assessment. A little bit similar with the the irrigation one. It's kind of the opposite. You're more likely to do the irrigation one only during hot periods in the summer. You will not be asked to do the irrigation one in the winter time. Now, the next task is mowing an area of turf on the golf course. That could be a ride-on pedestrian, or it could even be a a trailed mower on the back of a tractor. It's probably one of the simplest tasks that you can be given within this category. Here are just a few little hints and tips to look out for. Um, First of all, in terms of the mower setup, you need to be able to talk through verbally how you would check the quality of cut. Um, To do that, very briefly, um, you'd use paper and very carefully spin the reels round on the left, middle and right hand side of the reel. If the paper cuts cleanly, uh, with no rips or tears in that paper then the mower be set up correctly with good quality of cut you also need to talk about how to set the height of cut um, by using a a bar here to inspect the, quality, sorry, the height of cut um, that can be adjusted on each mower every mower is going to be slightly different but there will be bolts on the side of the mower that can be uh, twisted to raise or lower the roller, which would um, increase or decrease the height of cut. This is something you need practice on. This is something that you need to um, be aware of how to do. Again, if you haven't got this experience, if you need more practice on this, you need to have a conversation with your golf course manager or your mechanic. Uh, keep it simple is is fairly simple once, to do, uh, once you know how. Um, just to go over it again, you do not actually need to do that on the day of the end point assessment. You just need to show, point uh, and describe how you do it to the examiner. Now, Moeham, we've spoken about a lot as an assessment. I'll say it again because it is so, so important. Before you do the, the activity, you do a verbal risk assessment. Then you get on your PPE, your ear defenders, your steel toe cap boots. Then you complete your pre-start checks on the mower as best as you possibly can. Take all your equipment to the site. Check that site is safe before working on it. Perform the actual task, which actually probably won't take as long as doing all the other bits and pieces. Um, Check the surface again after you've done the task. Put the flag back in. Check any debris. Take a switch or blower with you. Then um, you take your your mower back to your your yard, your maintenance facilities, and complete your post-operative checks. On that machine, clean it, wash it, fuel it down, etc. The task of mowing is probably the most typically the most frequent one that the examiners pick as it's the most the easiest one to do, the most accessible one to do, and you can do it at most times a year as well. okay, so the next task I'm going to talk about in this area this section is establish plants in the golf course. Now, this could be um, establishing trees, establishing turf, establishing shrubs. Most common one of those that you would typically do on the golf course is uh, the turf. Um, So for this task, um, again, just take your time on that task. It would only occur if you have this already on the golf course. So if you've got a project going, maybe a new tee construction, maybe a bunker project, um, that's when you would typically do this task. If you don't have any plants or turf to establish on the golf course at the time, the examiner will not ask you to do this activity and they'll select another activity for you to do instead. Okay, so the next activity within task d is renovation and repair of sports turf areas so it's a bit of a vague title renovation and repair of sports turf areas but what does this actually include so this could include overseeding um, patching or plugging forking up um, that doesn't include pitch mark repairing actually includes a using a fork uh, and top dressing as a repair method we spoke about top dressing earlier um, more likely in this case uh, to be just done by hand again you will see a lot of similarity between some of the tasks and where they overlap the next task we'll have a look at is the aeration of turf this task needs to be done with a pedestrian or ride-on trailed equipment um, can't be done just by hand by using a fork this one um. So the aeration of turf, typically this would be done with a tractor-mounted drain, or a Toro Procore 648, which is a pedestrian um, aeration equipment. You can only do this one if you have those sort of pieces of equipment in your workplace, which I'm sure uh, the majority of you, if not all of you, do have. If the examiner does select this activity... You need to just select the right tools, the right equipment for the job, and also select an area in your golf course that's quiet and you're not going to get disturbed on. The last activity is uh, rolling turf in this category. Um, This could be a ride on, could be pedestrian, or even could be a tractor mounted roller. Uh, Could be one of those side to side uh, true turf rollers that a lot of golf courses have. Um, or Smithco, I think the other one, other typical brand is here, or Toro Roller. Uh, could be a ride-on vibrating roller as well, so it doesn't really matter what type of roller it is. You just follow the general principles that we've spoken about before, taking time on the job, risk assessment, PPE, checking the site, as as we've mentioned numerous times throughout this um, podcast. Okay, I'm now going to go on to the the last group, um, there's only four tasks within this group, and they're probably fairly simple tasks. Um, the tasks are mowing, uh, sorry, moving T-markers, not mowing them. Uh, so moving T-markers, maintaining and renovating bunkers, um, changing holes on a golf green, and the last one is switching or brushing. Now these tasks are relatively straightforward. However, you just need to show that attention to detail, take your time and answer all the questions as best as possible on these these tasks. Moving T-markers, go to the area, make sure that they are moved to an area where it's free of divots, free of debris. Make sure that they are really, really straight. Uh, I'd use a blower as well to, to remove any debris, to move any uh well actually I'll pick up any t markers sorry T pegs that have fallen onto the floor or broken uh making sure that area is clear safe to use and just looks highly high standards in terms of presentation for the maintenance and renovation of bunkers um what the examiner will expect you to do is to edge the bunker now this could be done with um hand shears all those long edge edging shears. Could be done with a strimmer. If you're going to use a strimmer, just be very careful. Uh, make sure you've got all your PPE on and you're, um, you're ready to go with those. The with the bunker maintenance activity, make sure you blow and remove all the debris that has been uh, created when you've edged the bunker. I'd also recommend taking a bucket with you that bucket can be used to remove any of the finer bits of grass that you can't actually blow out the bunker it can be quite frustrating as you're trying to blow out all the debris you can never get that last little bit so i'd recommend removing that by hand with a bucket also walk around the bunker take your time to remove every weed from that bunker every um stone that you can practically do um, So spend a good five or ten minutes doing that. You're only going to be working on one or two bunkers as part of the end point assessment. You may have a hundred bunkers on your golf course, but you will only be expected to work on a couple, if that, for the day of the end point assessment. That's why it's so important to take your time, show that attention to detail on the activity. Now, as part of the, the bunker activity, the bunker maintenance activity, you're expected to have a good understanding of sand level depths um, or sand levels, the amount of sand that is in the bunker. Now, by that, what I mean is um, well, typically a lot of golf courses will go for approximately two inches of sand on the face of the bunker uh the steep sides of the bunker they'll have approximately two inches. Um whereas in the base of the bunker they're likely to go for about four inches. Now it's going to vary from golf course to golf course. Some golf courses may want more, some golf courses may want less. You may want slightly more in a green side bunker as a lot of sand is typically removed from that sort of bunker. You may want less in a fairway bunker as people try and Hit the ball out of um, a bunker, a fairway bunker, at a lower trajectory than a a green side bunker where they try and hit underneath the ball. Um, what's really important is that you're able to measure those sand depths. Um, usually, you can do this with the the um, sort of the other side of a bunker rate right, by sort of nestling it in and digging into the sand. Um, there are different methods that you can do it but it's important that you know how you do it at your workplace and that you're confident doing this now if there is a lot of sand in one part of the bunker and not in the other it'd be a simple case of you'd need to move the sand from one part of the bunker to the other um, and take your time on this do, do it you may may need a wheelbarrow you may need um just to push the sand which i'd suspect you probably need to do but i think one of the most important things in the maintenance of bunker activities is just to get a very nice smooth bowl to get a smooth um surface to the bunker no lumps or bumps in the bunker Um that it, the sand is smooth so if you are going to be moving a lot of sand around if you're going to be um doing this job to a really high standard i'd recommend smooth raking all the sides smooth raking the base and then uh, raking the bunk how you normally would leaving it to a very high standard how you expect to see for a competition for your best event of the year okay the next job that you could be given um is changing holes on a golf green i won't go through this in a huge amount of detail but just the, the core messages I've been saying over and over again on this podcast. Uh, attention to detail, taking your time on this job, um, performing it to a high standard. Every golf course does it slightly differently. A um, couple of key things you really want to be looking out for is making sure that the old and new sites aren't crowned. They're level, they're neat, they're tidy. Um, th- there's no debris in the cup. The the liner and the old hole are repaired as best as possible. The newly cut hole is to the, the, the required depth or the correct depth. And the just overall presentation is to a very high standard. One thing I always do is clean the flag, make sure that there's no grass or debris on the pole. Make sure everything is straight and lined up, looking A1 perfect. The last task on the practical is switching or brushing, again gone through it so many times but you need to do your risk assessment, put on your PPE, typically steel toe cap boots for this task, walk the site before you do the task, remove the, if you are uh, brushing a golf green for due, make sure you remove the flag before you do it. Main reason being, if you've recently put down a fertiliser, you you can get a build-up of um, that fertiliser on the brush. That's best practice to take the the flag stick out before you do it. Again, do the task as best as you can. Do it to the highest standard that you, you would. Take your brush back, all your equipment back, give them a, a wash-off, give them a blow to dry them, and then um, store them in the correct location that you typically would do for this task. Okay, so those are all of the practical tasks that you can be given on the day of your endpoint assessment. What I'm just going to do now, before we we finish this podcast, is just last few hints and tips, last few little bits of um, information. You just want to get across to you a few things to prepare for, and just. Um, Preparing you as best as you possibly can for the Endpoint Assessment Practical. First one of these is you want to think carefully before the Endpoint Assessment Day of where you can do the activities on your golf course. Um, Hopefully you'd be doing your Endpoint Assessment on a quietish day with no big tournaments or competitions. Have you got um, an area on your golf course that is... um, perhaps quieter or an area that can be closed off, perhaps a practice area or the back of a practice range. It may be that you do some of the work on a hole on um, on, on the back nine where the golf hasn't reached yet. Uh, just have a think about uh, an area that you could do the work on. The next thing I'd like you to have a think about is life isn't perfect. And something May go wrong on the day of your endpoint assessment, so what should you do if something goes wrong? For example, the weather is, is just horrendous and starts really um, going not in your favor keep My advice would be keep calm, uh, have a chat with your endpoint assessor as part of your risk assessment you'd be inspecting the site so you may need to choose a different area if things become flooded or if they do become dangerous such as a lightning storm you you would need to stop the assessment tell the assessor and not go out onto the golf course um what happens if machinery breaks down halfway through uh, hope well hopefully this wouldn't be your fault or anything but just a case of continuing to do what you'd normally do have a chat with your examiner say to him you know this is broken i'm going to go back report it and i'm going to go select alternative equipment or different equipment it may be a case that you need to go on and do another job talk to your examiner try and get a relationship try and get a bit of rapport from them the more the the better you treat them the um the better they're the more accommodating they're likely to be so for, for another sort of tip i'll give you is treat the examiner like they're a king Uh, offer them tea coffee they're more than likely to to want rest breaks as much as you are so just really keep chatting to them when they arrive ask them how was your journey how are you Uh, is there anything i can do to help or assist you today just try and um, keep a really good relationship with the examiner now, another thing about the examiner is they won't give you any feedback whatsoever on the day. So please don't read anything into their emotion, their body language. They, they're they there to ask you the questions, note down your responses, note down how you perform and then leave. They will not give you any feedback. Uh, so when will you get your results? The individual grades, uh, you'll, you'll get an individual grade for each component. So you'll get an individual grade for the training statement, uh, which is 20%. You'll get an individual grade for the knowledge test, which is 30%. And you'll get uh, an overall grade uh, for 50% of the practical. And then you get an overgrade overall. So you'll typically get your results um, within about two weeks of doing the endpoint assessment sitting guilds they say um you will definitely get your results within four weeks usually it's a little bit quicker than that the results come into the college and as soon as we know we, we let you know of when they'll be if you do fail in the unlikely circumstance that you do fail um there are opportunities to re-sit uh, you can have as many resets as you want um Obviously, we don't want you to fail and I'm sure you don't want to fail either. So we're only going to put you forward for your endpoint point assessment when we would feel confident that you do. Um, if you do fail, we'll, we'll book you back in. We'll have a chat with your manager. We'll have a chat with you, see what went wrong. We'll give you advice and support to correct um, you on any... If you're not feeling confident in an area or you failed for a particular reason, we'll, we'll help you and support you in that area. The only thing is that... Um, Exam fees may apply, so we, you may need to pay for a, an exam reset for yourself. But I think the, the real key thing you want to get across is just feel comfortable, be relaxed. We'll do mocks with you so you feel familiar and, and comfortable with people watching you and being assessed. The Endpoint Assessment Practical Day, think of it as an opportunity to show off your skills, an opportunity to... Demonstrate to the examiner exactly what you're capable of doing um, and see it as an opportunity. Be positive, be confident. This is your chance to shine. You've put in so much effort throughout the whole course, you can really do well on the endpoint assessment. But do take your time, allow yourself breathing space, time to think and I'm sure you'll do the best of your ability. So I'm just going to summarise and wrap this podcast up now. Thank you very much for listening. It's been a pleasure to do this podcast with you. I think I'd really enc- well, I'd really encourage you to have a, a really good listen to the Risk Assessment podcast, as that one links in really well with this, and doing the Risk Assessment, getting off to a really good start um, works well. Listen to the Grass Identification podcast, Seed Identification as well, and the Golf Course Walk, because they are all part of the Endpoint Assessment Day as well. Spoke about many different areas within this uh, podcast. Have a really good think about the um, confidence chart that we've given you. Work on your areas that you need improving on. Try and get more off the job experience on any of the tasks that you're not so familiar with or you need help on. Uh, really have a, a good look at that confidence chart share it with your manager make sure that they are fully aware of all the jobs that could come up and the jobs that you need to prepare for because if they're aware they can help prepare you as well but thank you very much for listening and look forward to uh, you listening to more podcasts if anyone's got any questions queries wants to mention anything talk about anything in more detail always a pleasure and the last message from me is I just wish you the best of luck with your endpoint assessment, and I hope you do really well.